You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Mike Maniscalco, and you're listening to the Tracking the Storm podcast. Thank you, Mike. And what is up, my friends? Welcome first, back. First name basis this week, huh? Yeah, I, I felt like Mr. Maniscalco was almost a little weird. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I I don't know. I guess it was fine, but everybody knows him as Mike, right? So uh, yeah. everybody knows what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't think I'll mind. If he does, I apologize. Welcome back to another episode of the Track in the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. That is my boy, Matthew Soma. We have a lot to talk about this week. Well, it's really not like that much, honestly, but it is going to be pretty time-consuming, I think. Um, the trade deadline is just over a week away. The moves are starting to happen. Um, we've had a couple of them that we're definitely going to talk about tonight. The stadium series. It happened almost a week ago at this point, so I'm sorry. This is kind of like a late review or something. I don't know. Um you may have read my article on the Hockey Writers. It was a banger. If you haven't, you need to go check that out. Those were my more in-depth thoughts on what it meant to the city. Uh, but we're definitely going to at least touch on that stadium series game here tonight as well. Um, and we took fan questions for the first time in a while. And we got quite a few. So that's definitely... What are you laughing about? My stupid-ass cat just tripped. <laughs> oh, okay. He's, he, he's running away and he just tripped on a toy and like... Just kind of slid about five feet before finally like catching himself. It's one of those nights, man. I just feel like it, it is. It, it it is absolutely one of those nights. It's been a really just crappy week, and yeah. Well, let's go back to last weekend and and start there. Um, first of all, cheers to you all that showed out, showed up the way you did, making it. Such a special night. I mean, the tailgate was incredible. The pre-party thing inside the little truly sponsored area was sweet. And then obviously the game, I mean, packed out. It was so loud in there, it, which was kind of surprising. A big football stadium, you normally can't hear that much. Um, but the crowd noise, I mean, it, the energy in the building, it, it was it was really something special. And it was one of the more memorable experiences I've ever had, to be honest with you. I, you know, for a couple of days afterwards, I was kind of had just kind of hangover thinking about it like, Damn, like that was that was something. And it made me really sad that it was over, honestly. Yeah, I had a blast. Um, and it just you know, that was one of the big themes I wrote about in that article I talked about a few minutes ago. Was it was just so much validation for this city, I feel like that you know, maybe over the years has been overlooked or underappreciated. And to see them get a game like that and to see the reception, to see all the numbers after the fact about how it was like one of the, I think the highest grossing stadium series of all time, if I'm not mistaken, it was like one of the hardest tickets of any stadium series game to get. Like it was no joke. (laughs) Like, you know, it wasn't Carolina hockey fans showed that this market belongs, that hockey belongs here, that this team belongs in the conversation with any elite fan base in the sport. Um, and obviously the game was great too. So it was just, it was just a great night all around. I can't find anything to complain about other than the sound not being great. And my sight lines were a little too close, but that was nitpicky considering I was right up front. <laughs> but you were, uh, you were there, you were there. Yeah. And I was there. So yeah. I, uh, no here. yeah, I was going to say, you know, for anybody that does have complaints about the stadium series game, there's probably, 
tens of thousands of people that would have taken your place, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And a, and a lot of folks, you know, I think really use this opportunity to just enjoy it and have fun, which is great. Like hockey here is fun and it always has been. Well, no, okay. That's a lie. It hasn't always been fun here. <laughs> I'll be honest. You know, the, that 10 year playoff drought was not fun, but like when the hockey's good here, it's fun. And the hurricanes, the way they, um, the show they put on together with the NHL is was impressive. You know, obviously Carter Finley's not as big of a stadium as some of the stadiums that, you know, outdoor games have taken place in. But I really do think that the Hurricanes could have put together, you know, 75 to 90,000 people in a, in a stadium. I don't think that would have been an issue, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, what we're seeing is Raleigh getting put on the map for the NHL now. You can't argue. I mean, they said, you know, record-breaking merchandise sales. You've got, you know, great TV ratings. You've got really solid um, attendance. You know, everybody's talking about the atmosphere. And a lot of people were kind of mad at some of the national reporters being like, oh, we got to cover a stadium series. Like, this sucks. But I, I will say, like, after the game was put on, a lot of people came away with it having nothing but positive things to say about it, you know? So, so I think, you know, I've always believed this and I know a lot of people do too, is like, you just got to go to one game here to realize, you know, how great this fan base really is. I think the stadium series game showed that to a lot of people. It's a special market. Like it really is. It's, it's not the biggest. Um, I don't know when the team, when the team has an owner that is willing to invest in it. And actually this is a spot that I think is a good place to go into after an interview he had the other day with Scott Burnside, I believe. Um, But when this team has an owner that's willing to invest in it and the product follows, this fan base is fantastic. Like it's rowdy as hell. They're loyal to a fault, probably considering some of the complaints and stuff I see on Twitter for pretty minor slots, but uh, pretty minor slights, excuse me. But, um, I mean, this was Raleigh showing out, showing up, proving themselves in 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 many ways. Um, and actually, you know, on the, on that thought that I just kind of started a little bit, I heard so much shit talk about Tom Dundon when he first came here, and and, and so many different stops along the way. People have found excuses to clown him, but how can you argue with him as an incredible NHL owner? what he's put in place here, the culture he's played a big part in building and how much have you even heard of him since? Like since the team got good, he's not been on owner that's sitting there saying, look at me. I'm, you know, I did this kind of thing. He's it's all about the players. He said, I think one of the big questions asked in that interview was, what do you think you would do if the team won the Stanley cup? And what he said was, I don't even think I'd go in the room because it's, I didn't do anything. Like, this is the players. This is the coaching staff. This is their moment. They deserve all the credit for what the Hurricanes are right now. And I, I again, heard a lot of crap talk about him for a long time. Tom Dundon has been a very, very good owner, and the Hurricanes are in very, very good hands with him leading the ship. I think the funny, the, the funny thing about it is, you know, like, He's stepped, he's not stepped away from the team in a Peter Carmano sense of where like he may come down for a game like twice a year and the, that twice a year is free agency and the trade deadline. Um, But instead, you know, Dundon, you know, he may have a more hands-on approach. He may want to have this team win, right? But you can't argue with the results and the fact that he sticks up for his guys, you know, he he was talking to Frank Saravalli um, the other day. And two of the big takeaways from that interview, one is that, you know, he's going to spend whatever money he can. And he believes our window is now, which is awesome. And two, he says, you know, Rod's going to be our coach for as long as he wants to coach, you know, I, I thought that was really interesting. And he goes, you know, I don't understand, you know, the teams that go out there and, you know, hire a coach for three years and then fire them because they haven't done anything. He's like, no, like the end of the day, it's, it's our fault for not putting the guys in front or on the team to help that coach succeed. 
So I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting. Um, just, just to hear that perspective, because that's not a perspective that I think any NHL owner shares. Yeah. And I mean, look, there are cases where a coach just kind of grows stale, even if he's a great coach, but just what Rod Brendamore means to this team in this city. Like this is another thing we talked about that I, I actually, I talked about with Adam gold the day after the stadium series game, that game doesn't even happen. If not for Rod Brendamore trade, however many years ago it was now <clears throat> he breathed life into this franchise. He led them to their only Stanley cup. And now what he's done as a coach, obviously the moment he took over was the moment this franchise's fortunes really changed again, in conjunction with Tom Dunn and taking over his owner and changing their payroll mostly. But um, <clears throat> at this point, Rod Brendamore, he is the Carolina hurricanes. He is the most important figure in the franchise's history. And I, I mean, I can't find a good argument for why he wouldn't be this team's head coach until the day he decides he doesn't want to be anymore. Yeah. No, there's, I mean, there, cause there is no argument, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the way – I don't think there's any other coach in the league, truly, where his team is exactly like the way he played. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, yeah, we, we didn't want to spend too long on the stadium series game. It has been, like I said, it was, it was almost a week ago at this point. But, again, what a special night it was. And I'm just so glad I got to experience it, really. And even for those of you who watched on TV, um, I'm sure it was just as meaningful for you. At least close. <laughs> anyway, that wasn't the only game this week, so we'll uh let's talk about the St. Louis Blues game. Um, obviously the Blues are a little bit of a in a little bit of a weird spot right now because they just traded away Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko, two of the most important players on their team. Oh, this uh, is this is Nolachari and Nico Mikola erasure. <laughs> who? Uh, anyway, um, no, I, I know who both them are, but anyway, they're a team that's going through a bit of a retool which is weird we talked about this on in the dms the other day a little bit strange to me that they're in on timo meyer supposedly and i almost wonder if that's a little bit of a move by a little bit of posturing by mike greer just to maybe throw another team into the mix because maybe try to drive the price up i don't know could be but uh it'd be kind of weird if to me if the blues did go for meyer just because like I don't know if replacing one player with like the guys you just moved out makes a lot of sense. They've got a couple of nice young pieces like Pavel Buchnevich, who's hurt right now. He's almost 32. Really? And he, I didn't even realize he was that old. Um, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo are definitely younger. Um, so there's a couple of pieces there for sure, but I just feel like they're more than, you know, they, they need those first round picks. And I would be a little surprised if they turned around and traded them. Um, but anyway, let's get off topic. We'll talk about some trade stuff in a few minutes. The Hurricanes played their ass off once again. Uh, four to one win. Really carried by the Ajo line offensively. Uh, that ever since, I think there's only been three games now, but since Rod made the switch from Andre Svechnikov and Tavo Teravainen, um, them two swapping spots, the Hurricanes' top six has been pretty ridiculous. Um, Sebastian Ajo is lighting it up. Andre Sveshnikov finally gets off the schneid with a absolutely beautiful goal and then pots the second of the game just a few minutes later. Um, Seth Jarvis is absolutely cooking right now. And then, again, that second line, you've got Martin Natchez and Tevo Teravainen have been creating magic. Yes, Barry Kokaniemi continues to play fantastic hockey. That top six looks very, very good right now. So it, it does bring a little bit of an interesting question to what happens if the Hurricanes do make that big trade deadline acquisition. But uh, that top six right now doing everything they need to do. Yeah, and I'd argue the one thing I have to say about that game is I could argue that without Bennington, that game's probably eight to one. Yeah, Like they, the Canes played exceptionally well. And yeah, that game could have been a lot worse than it really was for St. Louis, but 
I'll take the win. You know, this this weekend we play, I think it's Ottawa and then Anaheim. So it's two very uh, beatable teams. Although I'd argue that Ottawa did get better by trading away Nikita Zaitsev for nothing. Um, because he's bad. He's awful at hockey. Um, it's very funny how the Senators were considered, you know, like... The team to watch out for this year. Off-season champs, dude. That team never, never turns out the way it's supposed to. Every single summer, there's some team that won the off-season, that did everything they needed to do, and it never works out. At least not like year. three years in a row, it was New Jersey. Exactly. And and New Jersey is finally starting to happen for them. That's why I was just about to add, at least in that first year. Because even when the Devils did that and like, oh, man, Dougie Hamilton and Ryan Graves and all these players. Yeah, it still took them like multiple years to actually figure it out. And I think Ottawa's going to be the same way. Like eventually all that young talent, Tim Stutzla, um, Kachuk, like there's a lot of really good pieces there. Josh Norris. Eventually that team's going to be really, really tough to beat. But they still need to kind of round out that roster and figure out some things. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's let's uh, let's move on here. Brandon, you know, there was an interesting thing on the radio the other day um, where Tom Dundon was talking about Max Pacioretty. And he said that they're 100% in on bringing him back for next season. What are your thoughts on that? Because for me, I really like the idea of bringing him back. But money is going to be something that's very interesting to follow here because he was making $7 million dollars. And I can't see him getting more than three or four based on how injury prone he's been these past couple of years. Well, that's going to be the deciding factor to me. It's it's yeah, like it sounds great that he supposedly wants to come back, wants to be here. The Hurricanes need a piece like him, but it's obviously going to have to come at a maybe half of what he's getting paid right now. And I think it's, you know, he's made a lot of money over the course of his career. Let's be real. And at this stage, he is a player that you can't 100 percent rely on right now like he's just not and these Achilles injuries are tricky man like I was surprised he got back as quick as he did I was surprised he looked as good as he did as quickly so there's so much uncertainty around him right now unless you're getting him again three and a half four million dollars I I wouldn't be comfortable giving him more than that considering just you just don't know yeah, uh, no, I agree. But the fit on the team and and how good he looked, how quickly, like that's the kind of piece the Hurricanes have been needing for a long time. It's the kind of piece they need to be looking for at the deadline right now. Um, I, I love the idea of bringing him back and giving him another shot to have another go around with this team. There were some other trade rumors that popped up the other day that we thought were pretty interesting. I'm pretty sure it was Elliot Friedman that said he could see the Hurricanes going after potentially the Arizona Coyotes and a player like Nick Schmaltz. And again, this is another guy, Matt, you even said this to me, the biggest reservation to have with him, injury prone. Like he misses 20, 30 games, maybe not quite that many, but about 15 to 20 games every single year. And the Hurricanes really don't need any more of that. (laughs) Like it would be nice if they could grab a player that they could rely upon to be there when the playoffs start. But I think it's a really interesting move or a potential move. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's got 23 goals on the season, something like that. Um, or he had 23 goals last year, excuse me, in 63 games. He's got 16 goals and 37 points in 42 games this year. Again, he's already missed double-digit games. But he's a center. He's a right shot. Uh, the Hurricanes, their center depth right now. They got Kokanemi, Ajo, Stahl, and um, Stasny playing down the middle. That's four left shot guys. Now you do have Martin Natchez that has been doing okay, taking the right-handed face-offs. And then um, somebody else too that I'm forgetting. Oh, Derek, step on. Um, <clears throat> they can both take draws when needed. But having a little bit more of a reliable face-off guy down the middle, when you need those like right dot in your own zone face-offs, that would be big. Um, now Schmaltz is a guy that leans playmaker over score. That's one other thing to kind of point out. And I, and I still think this guy, team needs to be looking for a guy that puts the puck in the net. So, incidentally, what about a package that gets you Nick Schmaltz and Lawson Krause? 
I think that would be a really good move for the Hurricanes. Lawson Krause was always a player that I talked trash about because a lot of people wanted the Hurricanes to pick him, and I was like, please don't. Um, He's a third line forward at best, right? But he does have he scored twenty goals last year. He's got nineteen this year. He's a big guy. He could probably help on the power play, playing in the middle of the ice. He's physical. He's the kind of player nasty mean streak in them that I think this team could really use once they get to the postseason. So, so let's break down the, the schmaltz thing and why I think it's a bad idea. Okay. The, the main concern for me is not the contract. His contract runs till 2026. And I don't think that's a bad thing. He's going to be uh 30 by the end of that deal. My issue is the injuries. So, so he was traded from Chicago to Arizona during the 2018-19 season, played 40 games that year. The next season, he missed 12 games. Season after that, he missed 30 games. He missed um, 19 games the next season. 2021 was the COVID year. He didn't miss 30 games. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. So he did not miss games that year, but 2021 to 22, he did miss 19 games. And then this year, it looks like he's um, missed about 15 ish. Yeah, he's missed about um, 16 games. So that's that's my concern is, you know, like 20 games is about a fourth of the, the season. And you've got a player who's missing about a fourth of the year consistently every year. That's that's a concern for me. Um, yeah, Schmaltz is great. He's a great playmaking center, but you have so many playmakers on this team that I I just don't see it being as impactful. So Lawson Kraus, on the other hand, I don't hate the addition, you know, on the surface. Like you said, he is a big body and, you know, can play that, you know, heavy style that might help the Canes in the playoffs. The cap hits, you know, pretty much what a third line forward gets paid. It's four point three million. Um, I guess my one concern about acquiring Kraus is, yeah, he's he's getting paid till twenty twenty seven, and up until this point has been a very mid NHL player. Yeah. Other than these past two years, and even even so, his his career high in points is la- last year when he had thirty four. Yeah. Like that's that's not a player that's going to move the needle at all. I don't hate it if if you're going to add him and, you know, have him be, you know, the Jesper Fast replacement or whatever or like new Jordan Martinuk or you know whatever. But I just again, like I'm not even trying to trash the Coyotes here. I just think there's players that are, there's better players that are going to be available. Yeah. We've talked about this before. Like, it always feels like the Canes are going to pick somebody like out of left field that we're not even talking about. Unless they get Meyer, I I don't know. I, I still just don't. I really want it to happen. But if they get in a bidding war with the New Jersey Devils, they're going to lose. Just because. Yeah, I think we should start preparing Hurricanes fans for the possibility that um, we are not going to be seeing the Hurricanes. Um, acquiring Timo Meyer. Yeah. Um, and I know like I <laughs> we talked about this a little bit. I feel like it's gonna be a little bit of a meltdown because everybody has gotten so hell bent on him. And look, I would love nothing more than to see Timo Meyer in a Hurricanes jersey because I think he would be such a perfect fit. Big body, can get to the interior of the ice, can score holes, volume shooter, like <laughs> it fits like a glove. The Hurricanes have a good working relationship with Mike Greer. Don Waddell does. And Steven Lorenz and Brent Burns have been talking highly. Like, th- there's lots of reasons why it would make sense. But Mike Greer has to do what's best to try to get that team out of the doldrums of the NHL. And that includes creating a bidding war for a player like Meyer when you have an asset like that you're putting on the table. So he's got to maximize his return. If the Devils decide they want to throw in fill in the player like i don't think they'd give up luke hughes or alexander holtz but if they did what are the hurricanes going to do seth jarvis is the only comparable piece really um 
And I do think it's interesting all the rumors we're hearing about Dawson Mercer kind of being a hang-up um, because maybe Mike Greer does say, if you don't want to give us Mercer, we're not going to make the deal. And in that case, maybe the Canes could swoop in. But again, if he's asking – I saw somebody say this. I, I think it was Alex actually the other day. If they're asking from Dawson Mercer from the Devils, they're going to ask for Seth Jarvis from the Canes. Like that's a pretty easy comparison to make right there because they're both – teenagers playing in the NHL or Jarvis was a teenager last year anyway, but teenagers that competed very, very well right away in the NHL. And that's not something that you should probably give up on when you're a competing team. No. And especially since Jarvis is one of the youngest players on the team. Yeah. Um, it just makes no sense. It makes no sense to get rid of him. Um, He's also been very good lately. Very good. <laughs> so I don't think the Canes move a roster player out, you know, because they don't need to. Yeah. They don't They don't need to because of the cap that they have. What are some pieces you think the Hurricanes will be putting on the table for a star piece? Like, I I feel like Scott Mora might get moved. And, like, this, that's totally – assumptive like I have nothing heard nothing that says oh they're trying to move Scott Morrow but just maybe it's an overreaction one of your more tradable assets yeah and and I just feel like the way his defensive game is not coming around (laughs) I, I just feel like he's a piece of hurricanes like wouldn't care that much you know what I mean like other teams may value him really more than the hurricanes themselves would maybe yeah, so so with um Moro the one thing the Hurricanes have going against them there is Moro has had an awful year. Yeah. Like yes, on the score sheet he looks good, but you take a look at how he's done defensively this season and it's been an abysmal season for Moro. Um and that that's a concern. That is that is a major concern for me. And I'm, I'm sure for teams looking to acquire him. Um my other, you know, thing that I think about is teams, yes, they'll acquire players that are in college and in junior, but a lot of teams prefer prospects that are already in the pros. So I'm looking at, you know. The Hurricanes have four center prospects or three center prospects and one wing that can play center that I think teams are going to be asking about. And those players are Jack Drury, Ryan Suzuki, Vasily Panamarev, Jamison Reese, maybe Anthony Honka. um, But I don't, I don't know how much value he carries at this point Um, with those four players you know i think it's likely one of them gets moved i really do so i think those players are on the table i think every pick the canes have is on the table pretty much every prospect other than alexander nikishin apparently so yeah (laughs) doesn't that just make you giddy we talked about that last week it makes me happy yeah i don't know if giddy is the right word i'd be (laughs) giddy if he signed yeah yeah the day he signs because it's going to happen. We're going to will that into existence. We Manifesting will... shit on this podcast today. <laughs> we will be giddy on that day. All right. Um, we're going to stick with the theme of trades here in just a second. But before we do that, Tracking the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So we're going to take just a couple of minutes, take a quick break, get a word from our sponsors. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially the closer we get to the summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet and you'll get up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you get our podcast for important details. This time of year, everybody's talking about making changes. That's all well and good, but most of the time it's pretty unrealistic. I know I'm always struggling with getting to the gym. I keep making that New Year's resolution, but it's hard to stay put, especially when there's so many people in there bugging you all the time, right? But I've actually found the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest thing can be a big change if it's something you use every day. Like my Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at a perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. Whether you use them in the gym, going on a walk, listening to a podcast, whatever music or audio you need to listen to day to day, it's the easiest way to stay up to date. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery life that'll last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each, a pair and a spare, and you still pay less than you will with some of the other guys. I mean, I have one at my desk at work. That way, when I'm working all day, I can sit there and listen. Plus, I got those at home for when I'm trying to record a podcast or listen to one. Either way, even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. Between the customizable sound profiles, noise isolation and awareness modes, water and sweat resistant buds, and playback times between 8 and 11 hours, you can customize and find whatever you need for your experience. Ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com THPN today and you'll get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Now back to the show. And we're back. And we're back. Listen, man, I am tired. Do you hear Yanni or Laurel? Um, So while we're on the topic of trades. That was a stupid joke. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Um, There have been a few moves made in the last, well, 24 hours. Uh, last couple of days, but um, the reason we probably need to talk about them is because they do kind of directly impact your Carolina Hurricanes. Um, now, the Rangers one is just a rumor at this point in time, but it does sound like they're closing in on a deal with the Chicago Blackhawks to bring in Patrick Kane. I don't know about you, man, but this trade, when they got Tarasenko, I was like, I'm a little nervous because of things we talked about last week. I don't like the way they match up with them. I don't like how opportunistic they are at putting the puck in the net when the Hurricanes are kind of the opposite. Like they need a high volume of chances in order to finish. Um, The Patrick Kane trade just doesn't, if it happens, because things could fall through, they fall through all the time. But a potential Kane deal just, doesn't move the needle for them to me that much. And maybe that's like ignorant of me to say, because he is still a really skilled offensive player, but I don't know, man. Like I, I, the idea of him on the Rangers, like they already scare me. I already think the hurricanes really need to do something to counter them, but Kane doesn't trade it one way or the other, or Kane doesn't move it one way or the other for me. Not at all. Um, and what I want to say first is this is a PSA to Canes fans. Just relax. Just enjoy this next week. Cause y'all are freaking out after like every little move. And it's, it's driving me nuts. Um, the Canes are going to do something. They're not going to sit on their hands. Like the, what, of the past four or five seasons has told you anything about the hurricanes wanting to sit on their hands. Yeah. Right. Like what have they done? They've always added. And, but this year they have the chance to add more, you know, but what I'm saying is, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, Oh, there's not going to be any players left for the canes to trade. I'm like, what? The canes are going to do something. I, I, if Patrick Kane goes to the Rangers, I don't see it being a deal that the Rangers come out ahead on. Kane may be productive on the Rangers. In fact, you know, it's fairly likely that he will be. 
but defensively he's just going to give up as much as he get he he gets and there are legitimate worries about his hip and his health and that's a trade where i could see a team like the rangers giving up way too much to acquire what patrick kane could have been or you know what patrick kane was 5 years ago as opposed to what he is now you know yeah I mean, but like, look, as much of a down year as he's had, he's got 16 goals and 45 points in 54 games, and he's a year removed from 92 points. Yeah. No, I'm saying it's not bad. But again, you know, defensively, he's shit. And I I just, I see the, I could see the Rangers giving up one of their young core pieces plus for Kane. And I think that would be a mistake, especially if they don't win the cup. Do you think they'd give up a player like Kako or Lafreniere? It's a possibility because, you know, I think especially with those two guys, they're players that have underperformed their draft stock or their draft position and have been just quite honestly expendable. Like, you know, Lafreniere and Kako are kind of mid third line players at the NHL level. Yeah, but that does still make them a better team. And look, like, what do we talk about why the dangers are why the Rangers are so dangerous? That's hard to say. Um why the dangers are so dangerous. <laughs> exactly. Um, but he gives them another weapon that on their counterattacks when they have open space on odd man rush, that's where Patrick Kane is gonna shine. Sure, so, but the Canes are a dangerous team too. Even without that, they're the second best team in the league. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting to see the dynamics of how that works out. Um, he has played with Artemi Panarin before, so reuniting them could give them, you know, and, and just playing with that much talent could kind of make him pop and get a nice little bump here, trying to make a run at one more Stanley Cup. Like I said at the beginning, though, like he doesn't really move the needle for them. I think they're a Stanley Cup contender right now. I really do. I don't think Patrick Kane makes him any more or any less. He's just kind of going to be there adding to what they do. And maybe in a way, like you said, he's defensively challenged. The Rangers aren't great team defense wise. They have a good blue line and they're really good on the transition attack, like counter attack. They have a really good goalie that bails them out a lot. Even the Shesterkin, he's not been as superhuman this year. I don't really think that means he's not going to be really, really tough to beat in the playoffs, but he has been a little closer to average this year than he was last year. Um, but I, I don't know. It, again, it'll it, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I think the Hurricanes need to add just like they did before. I don't think there's any reason to overreact to them potentially adding Kane to their mix and saying, oh, now we have to do even more. The Hurricanes need a goal scorer. They needed a goal scorer before. Things are the same. Keep the status quo. Our friend Sturlow at Stats said, you know, last year at the deadline, the Avalanche traded for depth players to fill their positional needs, and they won the Stanley Cup. You're, and he said, you're not, keeping, you're not playing keeping up with the Joneses at the trade deadline. I think that's a hilarious quote for one. But number two is he's absolutely right. If you're playing keep up at the deadline, you're, you're a team that's on the bubble that's trying to get in. The Rangers are trying to play keep up with the Hurricanes to try and move past them and the Devils in the standings. For the Hurricanes, they're the second best team in the NHL this year. They don't need to play keep up with anybody. They can add to their roster, sure, but they don't need to go out and acquire like Connor McDavid because the Rangers are acquiring Tarasenko and Kane. They don't. And just because one team makes a move doesn't mean your team has to, right? You know, like dumb GMs will do that, but not the Hurricanes. Yeah, they just, they have a patcheretti sized hole. That's what it comes down to to me. Sure, but even then, you know, take a look at it. They've had the patcheretti sized hole all but five games this year, and they're second in the division. Right. But when you're this Pacioretty was supposed to put this team into an otherworldly echelon. And unfortunately he's been out, but they're second in the league without him. Right. But you add that piece because you're as close to the Stanley Cup as you are to me. Sure. 
but but again the the point i'm trying to make is like you know if if you add a piece it it may make your team better on paper but adding a player just for the sake of adding a player almost never works out yeah like yeah if the canes acquire timo meyer right like the name we've all been bringing up for like 2 months now like yeah that's going to help <laughs> i'm not saying i'm not sitting here saying you know like don't do that i'm saying you know like making a move for the sake of making a move like whatever team is going to acquire vladislav gavrikov or joel edmondson this year like the teams making those moves are doing stupid shit I'm gonna laugh when the hurricanes have one of them i can't see them being that dumb <laughs> i can't I don't know. I still think they could use that third pairing left shot defender because Stahan has had his moments where he's been a little worrisome. He's had really good moments too, but yeah, I... but Gavrikov and Edmondson have been way worse. Okay, but still, I just no like worst defenseman in the league vibes. Oh, all right. that actually firmly belongs to John Klingberg, but um, yeah, he's been atrocious. God, the Hurricanes might have dodged a bullet with that one. Anyway, yeah, uh... remember last year when everybody wanted him. I dude, I wrote an article saying he would kind of make their offense nutty because I think him and D'Angelo back to back would have given them a really dynamic blue line, but they also would have started bleeding goals, so it wouldn't have been great. But anyway, yeah. um, while we're on the topic of defensemen on the move, this was one that really came out of left field and surprised me because Dmitry Orlov is a really good defenseman, and this Boston Bruins got him from the Washington Capitals. Um they gave up a decent amount of of draft capital to get him, uh, no pun intended. But um, it was kind of interesting to see Washington wave the white flag like that. I know they've had a tough couple of weeks. They're dealing with some injuries. John Carlson's missed a big chunk of time. Tom Wilson, the stadium series was his ninth game of the year after offseason ACL surgery, but he's back now. Um but they are a team that's right there in the mix with like a bunch of other teams for a playoff spot. Washington's blue line was already an issue. And now without Orlov, that blue line looks abysmal, especially with Carlson still out. So I was really surprised by the move. I, I kind of wanted to know your thoughts, but that was a pretty big pickup for a team that's already by far the number one team in the league right now. Yeah, the Capitals currently sit two points out of a playoff spot. They may actually be four points out now um, because I think Detroit won tonight. They did. They beat the Rangers. Okay, so so they're they're uh, four points out now, unless uh, the standings have already updated, and I'm just stupid. And to be honest with you, this is insane. But the Capitals have lost six in a row. Wow. They've lost six in a row. The Penguins have lost four in a row and five of their last six. They're both. Yeah. Five. And I think the Hurricanes, or not the Hurricanes, excuse me. I think the Capitals are realizing that this is it. Like their core is old. Like they have five players on LTIR right now. You know, Alex Ovechkin is still doing great things. Nicholas Backstrom is still signed for three years, and I don't know if he's ever going to be the same player again. TJ Oshie is getting really old. You know, you look at their roster, and the youngest forward on their roster right now is Dylan Strome, who's 25, which is insane. Um, their youngest defenseman is Alexander Alexiev, who's just kind of okay. Oh, and Martin Theravari as well. And it's just a team that's getting old. And a, a lot of their core players are in their early to mid-30s. And, you know, by trading Dmitry Orlov, what, what they've done here is, you know, they might miss the playoffs this year, right? Like, you know, losing Orlov and Hathaway might make them miss the playoffs. But they've given themselves a solid amount of picks to start rebuilding that future on the fly. Um, because once the guys like Alex Ovechkin, Backstrom, Oshie, whoever, once they all retire, Caps could have a handful of young players coming in and, you know, start to foster in the new generation of, you know, capitals. 
Maybe they'd be willing to trade Evgeny Kuznetsov to the Canes. I'll have a comment after that. <laughs> no, the I, uh, the tweet of the day that made me laugh is our, our uh, one of my follows, uh, Chris, who, who tweeted, yeah, he, he tweeted a picture of the uh, of Ovi and like the an Ovechkin Canes jersey, and people are getting mad at him for, for suggesting that. But like, give me a break. If the Hurricanes could get Alex Ovechkin, I would do that to yesterday. Give him a He's one of the best goal scorers of all time. He's still a 50 goal scorer, just about. That's the pace. That's what I'm saying. How stupid do you have to be? Come on, bro. To not want the best goal scorer of all time on your hockey team. Like, it's what the Hurricanes need a finisher, right? We've been talking about this. (laughs) Can you imagine the Hurricanes power play? Yes. (laughs) It would go from 23rd to 8th tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> well, we say that, but Washington's actually had a pretty similar power play this year. Yeah, it's ours. Great. But look who is passing the puck to him. Like, Backstrom's been out a big chunk of the year, hasn't he, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I guess that's fair. But still, like, I, I really Wilson's do think... has been out. Backstrom's been out. Oshie's missed 20 yeah. games. Like, they're a very hurt team. Anthony Mantha's getting big minutes for them right now. There's a problem. And he's hurt. Mantha just got put on IR today. Jesus Christ. Uh, it's not going to happen. No. Ovechkin is retiring a capital. I think he, yeah. I think he personally would declare war on the United States if he was ever <laughs> traded from Washington. He's but, in um, right now. He'd just be like, all right, Putin hit the button. And he's like, back as of today. So I should, I should make jokes with the okay. current political climate, but oh, well, yeah. I, I just think that, you know, the, the discourse around it made me laugh today. Seriously, like if you would actually be mad about Alex Ovechkin, you need to do some self-reflection, in my opinion. But anyway, touch grass. <laughs> All, right. All right, um, we've already been here for a while, but we promised fan questions, and we're going to we'll deliver. Do- damn it! <laughs> That's right. Let's deliver these fan questions and get the f out of here. All right, Thanks. five. First, I want to start. With my guy Spencer. Spencer, first of all, I'm sorry, me and you did not meet up during the Stadium Series game. I know there's just a lot going on, so whatever. Next time you're in Raleigh, we'll get together, big guy. But anyway, he asks, and this is a big one, Matt. How was your guys' weekend? Well, we already kind of talked about yours. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> my weekend was good. I I we we had a friend over, we watched the stadium series game. Um Sunday, I just napped. I, I'll be honest; I really needed that. It was great. It was great. No complaints. Ten out of ten. Glad to hear that. All right. Question number two. I promise there are a couple of like actual hockey ones in here. Um, We're just getting the silly ones out of the way first. Yeah. The next one is, who would Duke like more, Brandon or Matt? Duke, of course, is a very VIP person on this podcast. That's never actually been on this VIP, podcast. Very important person. Person. VIP, VID, very important doggo that has never actually been on our podcast, but he is a friend of the podcast all the same. The answer to this is very obviously Brandon because Matt's a cat person and he has no soul. I like dogs. <laughs> we just have cats because they're cheaper. I guess that's actually true. And they us work, but yeah, like, like they're a human's best friend, bro. Man's best friend. I yeah, but cats are low maintenance and cute too. Yeah, I guess they're pretty gross. But anyway, the thing is, is like you know when we when we first started like getting pets, we were living in a very tiny apartment, and I don't like small dogs at all. I hate small dogs. Like you know, like like the yippy ones, and I'd throw Shih Tzus in there. And Elise was talking about getting a Shih Tzu, and I was like, nope, no. We have we have a cat. And then we got a second cat. Um, so. By the way, I, I do want to throw it in here. The Rangers game tonight, Vitaly Kravtsov and Jake decision were held out due to roster management issues. Um, I don't know why teams want to give Kravtsov a chance. And yeah, Jake decision sucks. Yeah. He is bad. Yeah. I just thought um, that was interesting. There's no way that's the return for Kane, right? No, I think um, Kravtsov is... A piece 
I think decision or however the fuck you say it. Decision. Decision. I think he is a body going back the other way. Wasn't Jake Lecision born in Raleigh? Yes. Interesting. Um. But yeah, he um. His dad was pretty good, Curtis. I just can't see him. I can't see those two players being it. I know the Rangers don't have a first round pick this year, but I, I'd say it has to either be a first round pick or a top prospect, like an Adam Sakura type. Okay. All right. Anyway, <laughs> back to the questions. Sorry about that little aside. I shouldn't have I started browsing Twitter because I'm looking at the questions and some things popped up. Okay. Yeah. This one we're just going to have to kind of look at because it's just kind of a fact based answer. But the the question is who on the Canes has a no movement clause right now? Um, I believe it's just Jordan Stahl. I was going to say, I know Jordan Stahl does. No, Tavo Teravainen has a modified no trade list. He can submit a 10 team no trade list. Um, Paul Stasny. Interesting. Yeah, because I think Paul Stasny, when he signed, just wanted. He didn't want to move anywhere. Um, Frederick Anderson has a 10 team list. Brady Shea has a 10 team list. Um, Brent Burns has a three team list. Brent Burns submits a three team trade list every year on July 1st. Wow. Interesting. And then Jacob Slavin has a 15 team trade list. So here's if he ever, as if the Hurricanes would ever trade Jacob Slavin, he would. Yeah, get- it's really funny. Like all of these players, you know, Stasny, I'd throw in there as well. Like all of those players are players that the Canes wouldn't move. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of silly that, you know, those are the guys. Um it, it's funny, you know, if you want to if you want to get into it, like Gardner has a 7 team no trade list and Pacioretty has a 10 team no trade list. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Gardner does. 7 team no trade list. 7 teams? Mhm. I mean, that's not going to handcuff him much, so that's nice at least. No, but you know, he's he's off the books. <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, there's your guys again to go back over that. Jordan Stahl, Tavo Teravainen, Paul Stasny, Jacob Slavin, Brent Burns, and Brady Shea have to some degree, oh, and Frederick Anderson, to some degree a no trade clause, um, except for Stahl. Those are all modified ones, right? Yeah. He's the only one that you could not trade no matter what. He's the only one that's a no move clause because he's the only one that we were automatically required to protect in the expansion draft. Right. Okay. <clears throat> um, Luke, shout out to you, our friend and one-time trusty co-host, friend of the podcast. Uh, he said cop-out reply, but reactions to the Orlov Hathaway news. Obviously, we've already given you that one. It makes the Bruins better. Does does that affect the Canes? It won't affect them until the conference final. Yeah. So... At that point, so much has happened. There's so much wear and tear already on the players that it's really hard to tell how much that'll actually affect the the Hurricanes. Yeah. Um, the Bruins have like zero draft picks again in this draft. They're going to be so bad in a few years. Because um, that, talk about another aging core. Man, they're going to have like McAvoy and Pasternako still be around in like his 30s pretty soon. But that'll be that. Pasternak's, uh He's like 26 27. or 27. He's 27. Yeah. So that's still fair. No, he's still 26. He'll turn 27 this year. Yeah. Yeah. A couple months in May. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, and only a couple more here. What would your dark horse player, the Canes would pick up come trade deadline? So who's your dark horse for the Canes to go after? We kind of did this. Uh, go check out our YouTube video where we talked. We really went in depth on a trade deadline preview, and we we actually Matt Sturlo and I all gave a little dark horse trade deadline target. Um, I'm going to throw an interesting one out there. Former future Carolina Hurricane. He's only 26 years old. He's played on nothing but bad teams in his career, but I still remember the first time I actually saw him play live i was like i don't know who the hell this kid is but he's slick he's sneaky good and i bet he'd still be available i had to look at what his contract situation looks like but connor garland 
That's one we didn't mention the other day on our deadline piece. I still think he could be a decent depth pickup that's got some offensive skill. Ugh. That's a tough one because of the contract. Is his contract bad? Vancouver signed it, so I'm assuming it is. <laughs> um all right, I'll pull it. Well, up. Let me let me reiterate the the previous Vancouver management signed it. 4.9 million. That's not even that bad for a middle six forward. Yeah, but and he's got three years after this one. He's only 26. That's not bad. Yeah, I just I just don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't hate it. Ivan Barbashev is a player that I really like. We I think we talked about him that day. Um yeah, I like Barbashev too. He's heavy. Um, he's got some skill, maybe not like a top six player on this team, but that's see, And that's where you kind of run into some issues. Cause if you acquired Ivan Barbashev, he's not kicking out anybody on the hurricanes as top six. That Kokanemi and Aho line is going to stay intact. Who would you bump down? Does he have to? Well, okay. So he's not going to be on your third line. Obviously you're not mixing well, up. But, but the you way could. the you way could. Rod rolls his lines is different than most coaches. Right. I, but, like, I, I just don't think if you acquire him and stick him with, like, Stasny and whoever, Martin, uh, not Martinuk, um, Stasny, Nason, Stepan. Nason, God, why could I not remember – Stuff on Nason. I don't know. That might be kind of interesting because I continue to really like the way Stasny's been. He's been very, very good since going back to that line. By the way, I tweeted. Well, about I think that. that's also why you know you have the cap space to acquire a couple players, a couple forwards, and to be honest with you, you can you can probably acquire if they're all relatively cheap. You can acquire two forwards and a defenseman at the deadline. I don't know. I, I'm really interested to see what they do because I do think they can upgrade off over Derek Stepan since it doesn't look like Andre Kasha is going to play with the Hurricanes again. I don't think we've talked about that. Um, no, just because we don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah, it, it's a weird situation. There's rumors that I, I don't know. It doesn't look like Kasha is going to play for the Hurricanes again. So whatever. He played one game. <laughs> um, I will remember what? you. Uh, anyway. Um, I think you can upgrade on Stepan. Stepan, I think, has lost his step this year. Huh. He really isn't he playing. Needs to, he needs to step on it. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Thank you very much. <laughs> Shut up, Matt. Um, I think you can add a piece there that makes you a little bit better because I like the way Stasny and Nason are playing. So if you can get a guy with a little bit more pace in that role, this team's going to be four very dangerous lines. Maybe try to upgrade that left defense third pairing guy over Dahan. I think you can do better, even though Dahan has a role. It's just, I think you could do better. Um, but I mean, it goes back to like the Hurricanes are going to have to add a guy that's pretty impactful in order for any of the guys playing in the top six right now to get booted from it. But like, at the same time, if you do make that move, if it's a center, I guess KK kind of gets the short end of the stick, which sucks because of how well he's been playing. But maybe you move him back down to the fourth line because KK, Nason, and um, Stasny is still a really good fourth line. And then you've got player X playing in the middle in the top six. Like That also makes your lineup significantly deeper. Or if it's a winger, I don't know what the hell Rod does. I think acquiring a forward that can play in your top six gives you flexibility. That's what it does. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to acquire, like when you acquire them, you have to plug them into your top six. You don't, especially if they're coming from a team that doesn't play a system similar to the Canes. It might benefit them to play on the fourth line for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah get adjusted to the system and then all of a sudden yeah you've you've got four great lines and then you've got combinations that can work depending on which matchup you have yeah that's look, that's what player, that's what the canes are looking to add at the deadline yeah if the play, if the hurricanes add a player that can put the puck in the net you put him on the fourth line he's going to get what 9 10 minutes of ice time there a game 
if he's a sniper, he might get two or three minutes on the power play again. That's still maybe 12, 13 minutes. You know, yeah. as a starting point, you could do a lot worse. I don't know how much Pacioretty played his first game, but it was probably about that, and he was still impactful. Yep. So, mm-hmm. you're right. I, I think they can be very flexible, but it will be really interesting if and when the move does come. If there's no NHL roster piece moving out, which I don't think the Hurricanes are going to do, it'll be interesting to see how Rod balances that. Mm-hmm. All right, and we only have one question left. It is from – I don't think I've been uh, really shouting everybody out, so I'll go ahead and do that here. Shout out to everybody that asked questions tonight. Sterlo, Luke, Sean asked that last one about the Dark Horse Canes pickup. My guy Spencer. And our last one here from Michael O'Neill. Would you go all in this year or hold strong? I'm going to start on this one. Neither. Because all in to me means like, oh, you're sacrificing literally every single thing for this year. <laughs> on a scale of <laughs> Columbus a couple years ago. On a scale of Josh Jurist for Greg McKeg to last year's Florida Panthers. <laughs> where are you? <laughs> it's a good way to put it. Um like, is no, that I, like the perfect scale for a trade? It really is. It I really could is. even argue Columbus- that like the Columbus Islanders. did that a few years ago too, though. Don't you remember when Columbus, like, yes. it was like 2019, 2020, something like that? And then they got, no, they swept the, isn't that the year they swept the Lightning in the first round, but then they got smoked the round after? Maybe, like but Yarmo Kekalainen has way too long of a leash over there. Yeah, anyway, um, I know, I, I get what you're saying, Michael. Um, look, man, I, this is kind of. It, <laughs> It's where I've fallen back pretty much ever since we started talking trades. This is the closest the Hurricanes have been to the Stanley Cup. The idea of a window is is kind of a – it's not a joke, but it's flimsy. Like, you can think you're going to be elite for however long – you have no idea what's going to happen in the next couple of years. You have no idea. Somebody could blow their knee out and have some significant injury and never be the same. Like sports are funny like that, man. So yes, the hurricanes look like they're set up just as well as any team in the league for a long haul run, but you have to be opportunistic. And this team is ready to compete right now. I've talked about it before. The hurricanes own the Bruins. I'm not afraid of the Bruins in a seven game series. I'm really not. And that could be ignorant thinking again. Like I said, some, I said that about something earlier. I could be doing it again. I don't know. I don't worry about the Bruins. I think the Hurricanes would beat them. I think the Hurricanes will beat the Devils right now. They have more experience. They play a better suited for the postseason game than the Devils in their high-flying offense and no goaltender do. Well, actually, their goalies haven't been too bad this year. But anyway, you get my point. Yeah. So, again, that really just leaves the Rangers. I, I think the Hurricanes are right there. I'm pulling the trigger on something to sort of kind of say, all right, this is our year. I'm ready to give up a Scott Morrow type. I'm ready to give up anybody but Jamison Reese. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, they're in a good spot in a way. You know, they're in a bad spot because Patch already got hurt, but having him get hurt gives them the luxury of having all that cap room in order to add an impact player plus. So mm-hmm. I, I think they're in a good position to really push some chips in and go for a deep Stanley cup run this year. I'm assuming Michael means like if we were the hurricanes, right? Like not what do the, do the hurricanes do this? Like if we were the hurricanes, cause I'm in the same boat as you, I think you make a move and I think you, you trade the prospects that you deem as being expendable but I don't see the team doing anything drastic. So they're not Svechnikov, Connor McDavid. Right. Well, um, (laughs) wouldn't say no. Neither would I. I love Svech, but shit. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. McDavid's not a team player. (laughs) You're funny. I think if you have the opportunity to add something, the Canes are going to do it. Here's the thing about NHL teams, guys, is that they've been having these conversations for weeks, if not months. You know, doesn't have to constantly be like one little, you know, 
like, hey, what would you take for this player? It, it, it can just be, hey, checking in on the availability of this guy. I want to see what your plans are for these this deadline. You know, like trades are talked about for weeks, if not months. And I mean, we saw with the Tarasenko trade, New York wanted him last year and got him this year. Like sometimes it takes a while to make these things happen. And so, you know, that's why I think the Canes are in a position to trade for somebody that we don't really have on the radar yet. I think if I were the Hurricanes, I'd I'd make moves, but not mortgage the future. I wouldn't go 2022 Florida Panthers, nor would I go, what was it? 2020? No, 2019. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Something like that. Yeah, it was because it was the year before Tampa won in the bubble. Well, maybe if they won't give up Meyer, they'll give up Tomas Hurdle. I fucking love Tomas Hurdle on this team. Seriously. No, I, I agree. The Hurricanes, we, we know by now they're not going to go crazy and give up Jarvis Morrow. Every single prospect they have, they've already said Nikishin's off the table. Um, all but said that anyway. So, yes, I, I expect them to make a move. I expect it to be an impact player. I expect it to be a trade we look back on and say, wow, we really fleeced <laughs> blank. But I bet it'll also be something that's going to piss off some fans. <laughs> Here's the thing. Any move would piss off some fans. Those complainiacs, man. Folks, I'm going to wrap it up with a, a a little story that I kind of thought about, you know, as I was watching the Stadium Series game that meant a lot to me. Um, obviously, this is an important day for the fan base, and I'm going to try and get through talking about this without getting emotional because it's going to happen. So my uncle passed away right in, uh, in November, right before Thanksgiving, and um, he, he founded a local company called Cree. Um, they did LEDs and stuff, and uh, they're the company that did all the red lights in Carter Finley for the Stadium Series game. Uh, he was a big NC State fan, and um, not as much of a Canes fan, but like for us, it was just so cool seeing his like lights at the stadium, like during a hockey game. Shit was shit was so cool, like. So little things like that are really cool. They mean a lot to a lot of people. The stadium series was amazing, and I, I I truly hope we get another one. It's been a it's been a hell of a week of Canes hockey, man. It, it's been so exciting. I, I'm loving it. Uh, th- this team is great, and this fan base is truly great. I, I, I rag on Canes fans a lot, but this is a really great fan base. And folks, thank you for your support. Thank you for watching our videos if you haven't done that go like subscribe comment all that stuff and as always it's a great time to be a carolina hurricanes fan